Hi, welcome to Behind the Lighthouse, short stories from Byron Bay and beyond, where we bring you short stories created by amazing writers living in the Northern Rivers, Australia. The Byron Bay hinterland, so to speak. And I'm your host, Steve Nossiter. The Northern Rivers is Bundjalung country. As part of this storytelling, I'd like to acknowledge the Bundjalung people, the traditional custodians of the land on which we writers live. And we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Death is something we're all a part of in various times in our lives. Sadly, we'll have to say goodbye to people close to us, and eventually, and inevitably, we'll be saying goodbye to the ones we hold as most precious. It's a delicate and precious part of life, and over the millennia, we as people have wrestled with the most effective ways to handle this transition. In today's story, David invites us into the fragile world of the dying in our modern culture and the unique environment we find ourselves as loved ones at this delicate time of our lives. It's a beautiful and touching reflective piece that's extremely relevant and poignant to anyone who has ever found themselves in this place. Enjoy The Dying Room by David Lowe. The Dying Room Written by David Lowe and read by Eve Jeffery. The dying room is in the oldest part of the hospital. It's on the second floor with a balcony and a view across an expensive car park to green trees which fill with singing birds at each changing of the day. The occupants of the room rarely appreciate the view, but when it becomes all too much, their visitors sit out on the balcony beneath the old brick archway. There, they can smoke and think and cry. There's an endless waiting list for the dying room, but the matter of exactly when it will become ready for the next occupant is a delicate one requiring the tact and diplomacy of a United Nations negotiator. The nurse in charge is well up to the task, having seen it all, and then some, while also retaining the humanity crucial for her profession. The occupants are washed, kept comfortable, and carefully shaved if needed. The doctors who come to the room quote poetry and talk about pain management, having abandoned most of their heroic impulses. This is not the place for crude mechanical interventions. In between awkward conversations, they make themselves coffee and watch cycling from the couch in the lounge area. Meanwhile, the nurses keep the ship afloat. The painting on the wall of the dying room is a carefully indeterminate beach scene. Visitors can read what they wish into it or ignore it completely. The only personal touch comes from the warm, handmade quilt with colours that look even more intense amidst sterile hospital blues and greys. This quilt contains a picture of a library 
and Rodin's Thinker. But there are many others made by relatives of those who have died here, and the woman who started it all, who lost her own life to cancer between these walls. There are machines for taking away the detritus of bodies that can no longer manage that themselves. There's a visiting priest for those who believe in souls, but the usual hospital clockwork of food, deliveries and observations is mostly absent here. This is a place for waiting and reckoning and running out of time. The visitors each have their own rituals. Some are silent, some pray. Some talk nervously and some play games on the couch. Some try to sleep. Some gather lists of memories. Some make plans for what's coming next. This one plays Chopin and beach sounds from headphones resting on the pillow in case the drifting person is still somehow within earshot. This one sings quietly so as not to disturb the dying people in adjoining rooms. This one holds the hand of his father while watching a video on his phone from a time before when the man on the bed could open his eyes and laugh. Breathing is a constant issue here. In the absence of speech, the different qualities of breath contain a multitude of meanings. When fluids build in the lungs, suction is needed and the nurses gently usher family from the room, while the frightening industrial process of maintaining life is happening. Ultimately, though, just like outside the room, the breathing here is always temporary. Visitors worry about being there when it stops, and even more about not being there when it stops. In the end, there are no alarms or electric shocks or machines showing animated graphs of life signs flattening. Instead, there is a long, not-quite-dark night, a familiar hand to hold and then a different kind of dawning, as the birds beyond the expensive car park begin to sing. Thanks for joining me. If you like this story, please consider subscribing to this podcast and maybe even leaving a little review. For now, we'll see you next time round with another short story from Behind the Lighthouse. Short stories from Byron Bay and beyond. Behind the Lighthouse was written, recorded and produced by Steve Nossiter. Me. At Arcane Studios in Ganella Bar. The music was also composed by me.